137th parallel on America's haunted highway, it's Pixelated Paranormal, your guide to the unusual and the strange. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another Pixelated Paranormal 13 Nightmares crossover episode live at CD Trade Post here in Wichita. Now, with me, as always, are the usual suspects, Preston. What's up, everybody? Brady. Hello. And Steven. Hello. (laughs) Sensual. And in addition to the four of us, we're also joined by our dear friends, John and Leslie. How have you guys been? Good. Doing wonderful. Awesome. Yeah. Good. Well, we're glad to have you guys. Thanks for inviting us back. Thank Recording you. on location. Yeah. Here at Sea Trade Post. It's quite exciting. In Wichita at what is this? 1010 West Pawnee. Yeah. West Pawnee. You just moved to your new location. Yeah. Yes. New and approved. Just, Look kind yeah. of around the corner. It's definitely a way bigger store. Yeah. Much just, larger. We have a lot of room for podcast recording. <laughs> right. <laughs> this is pretty cozy yeah. where we're at. It is nice. You should put a sign up that says Podcast Nook. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to name this. Do it. Something spooky. <laughs> So with these crossover episodes, we like to dive into a topic that kind of suits both podcasts. You know, something a little paranormal, something that has to do with movies. And with that, we've decided to do one topic tonight, a deep dive into perhaps the most famous haunted house story of all time and also um, one of Hollywood's favorite early horror movies. And that's going to be the Amityville Horror. And I think everybody has either read about it, seen about it, heard about it. Well, tonight we're going to talk about it. And and do a deep dive, maybe the deepest dive that we've ever done before on an episode. Yeah, because our last deep dive wasn't that deep. What did we dive deep on? You we remember? just did the, like the spark notes. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, I started the spark notes on this episode, and I just went to uh, Wikipedia, and there's like five paragraphs. And I was telling John earlier, like that can't can't be the whole story, and it's not. So last night at like eleven o'clock. Um, I went on Instagram late night and said I'm about to start reading this, and I did. I read the whole uh, 200 pages, and what we found out is not actually a first edition print of the book, and we'll talk more about that later. But yeah, it was fun, and what's funny is reading this book, you're already kind of on high alert because it's a ghost story, and as I'm reading the book, I'm about 50 pages in, and out of nowhere from the kitchen, I hear like plates kind of clanking together in the sink. I hear some glassware clanking together in the sink. And it was loud enough like my cat woke up, my dog stood up, and there's nobody in the kitchen. So we live right by a, uh, I mean, we live pretty close to the airport, so you're going to have, you know, planes flying over, rumbling and stuff. It could have been the highway, but something, of course, made something rattle, and it scared the shit out of me. Because I had just taken my contacts out and set them, you know, on the table beside me because, you know, I wear dailies for anybody out there who cares. So, uh, <laughs> and then I hear that noise and I'm so, I'm so blind without contacts or glasses that then I had this moment of like lizard brain panic of like, if something is in the house, like I can't see. So theoretically I will die. <laughs> I hate that feeling. Right. So that was kind of spooky. And then like a hundred pages into it, I just heard this great big, like house, house, house shaking, boom, ba boom, boom. And I didn't know what it was. It was loud enough to shake, like, the walls, the pictures, the windows. And I still, right now, have no idea what it was. Somebody said it might have been a... Um, Transformer boy? An, a, a meteor. A meteor, a meteor yeah, exploding. And I brought him up. I brought the idea up to him. I just read an article today about how, you know, like the doomsday scenario, there's a big meteor coming to Earth and another ice age, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. 
there's actually a meteor that is really, really, really huge, and it's passing by Earth, so it's going to miss us. But it's actively coming towards us, and it's going to be here. It's basically the light, the distance between Earth and the Moon. So there's that much distance. So it's pretty far away, but it's still pretty trippy. That if that was over just a little bit more, it could potentially impact Earth. But if it's just coincidence, if that was a meteor, it kind of makes sense because I mean I'm not trying to be like oh Hollywood. But in Armageddon, remember the the debris they had before <laughs> yeah. the big one, right? Right. Yeah, right. So, yeah, there could be little chunks. Yeah, it is. It could be that. That'd just be a really weird co- uh, coincidence. You guys remember when we were on Xbox chat that one night? Yeah. At my house, I was in a house, and like uh, I, we, we all have like the same headphones, so it's like they're not sound dampening. Like they won't like bl- uh, isolate sound, so you can still hear around like something in the back of you. And this was so loud. I was like, "What the hell is rumbling in my house?" And it was like, and I was like, "What's that?" I opened the door, and as I opened the door, because like my headset has got a wire to the controller, but the controller is wireless, so I, I actively go out on my porch, and I hear this, and like Rob uh, Henderson man is on the chat. They're on the chat, and they're hearing this sound, <laughs> and I don't know what the hell it is. And I'm looking up in the sky, and there's no lights, no tail flashing, but it sounded like a military chopper. Black like, helicopters. Yeah, and it, and I, and I, that's what it was. Like it was so loud, and like that was pretty cool to, to hear that. And like I looked. I mean, I like ran out in the street, and I was looking up in there. Well, it was, was loud seat. enough that we heard it through your chat microphone. Because yeah. we're like, what is that noise? Dang. Yeah, it was weird. So you never figured out uh, what it was. No, and you no. never figured and I, out. What I posted on Facebook. No. People were like, I didn't hear nothing. If a meteor was coming towards Earth and going to strike Earth, do you think that the government would actually tell us it's going to happen, or do you think they would just say, "Oh no, it's going to pass this by," you know, a oh, couple yeah. hundred thousand miles? Well, it depends who you yeah. ask. If you ask my dad, <laughs> <laughs> I think there's probably enough freelance scientists out there that. No somebody way. would leak. Somebody, yeah, would yeah. Somebody yeah. something that big would definitely leak, and it, I mean, it would cause pandemonium. I think the the most the craziest thing would be um, the religion aspect of of it. The doomsday, Hail Bob. Yeah, yeah. The, the the doomsday scenario. It's my favorite Hanson song. So the the news right now, because you know it's not an episode without news, but uh, the. Uh, there's like this asteroid or meteor that was big enough to actually get caught in Earth's gravitational pull. So it's actually considered Earth's second moon right now. And so if you have like a telescope, you this, can actually look up. This one I'm, I'm, I'm talking about? No, it, they it's just one? discovered it like a couple months ago. Like uh, It's a big enough object that it's actually rotating with the Earth and acting like a second satellite. That's what we need to do as a show. We need to go out to the Afton. Uh, Lake Afton? Yeah. The observatory. Uh, the observatory. Yeah. That would be awesome to yeah. do that. Just to go look at some planets and stars and yeah. stuff. Yeah, Shayla's be so been cool. dying to go out there. That would be awesome. And it's good to, to support them too. Yeah, they just they just rebranded and kind of did like a soft relaunch mm-hmm. a, a couple years ago. Because they were going to oh, close wow. it, but mm-hmm. then they were, mm-hmm. the community banded together and was like, no, we need to preserve this. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Oh, yeah. You can be our sponsor after the <laughs> <laughs> Right, right. Well, before we dive in, does anybody have anything else to say? No, uh, I mean, I got a new, I got a new job. That's pretty awesome. It is. Tell us a little bit about yeah, your job. So, Steve. Uh, two months ago, I applied for a position, sent on Facebook. It was like two a.m. in the morning, and I looked at this job. It was called full time road crew for an esports company, and I put the application in. Two months went by, nothing, and then finally got an email, and they want me coming for an interview, and then um, impressed them, and then I got the job. So I started on the sixteenth. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Leaving the right. field I've worked in for 15 years, something completely new. But yeah. 
I'll be able to travel the country, uh, go to, to events and stuff, and then be around video games. Most so. importantly, though, I think we could all say the podcast really landed you that job. That's true. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> no, but didn't you mention that you were on a couple mm-hmm. shows? Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, on my, on my resume, I put. Uh, I think when you do a resume for for a company, it's important to put not just your work ethic and work experience, but also what makes you you. Because I mean, even though you're working somewhere, like you have to have a personality, not just a drone. So mm-hmm. right. that's that's so a good like, point. Yeah. So like, I put the podcast on there, and even in the interview, he was like, "So I see you do podcasts. What's that about?" And then. I told him, I was like, well, I used to do video game only, but then I branched out. And then he's like, oh, that's cool. Oh, yeah. And then I wanted to be like, got any stories? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> but, hard. Yeah, it, it is hard because you're like, this guy's a fucking nut job. Yeah. <laughs> and in the job that Preston and I have, there's plenty of times, I think, when people come in and you're like, well, you got anything you know you want to talk about? Like, what's the weirdest thing you've ever seen? Because some you're like, people mm, allude to that. You yeah. look like you've been abducted by an alien. <laughs> <laughs> Can you right? tell me about that? <laughs> right. Hell Why yeah. are you wearing that foil hat? Yeah. yeah. Oh, shit. Well, hopefully with your uh, your being a road warrior, maybe you'll get a couple stories on the road yeah, this, from people. Yeah, that, that's what I'm hoping. Me, you know me. I'm very blunt. I'm very social. So I'm going to fit right in with these. When I when I go to cons, like I like to talk to uh, – um, I mean, even though I'm going to be there working, you're still going to get breaks and stuff, so I'll be able yeah. to walk around. So I might be able to meet some, some. I, I want to say celebrities, but like, you know, people that are in the realm of the stuff that I enjoy, like the, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. The pop culture movies, and whatnot. Pop yeah. culture, you know, the oh, paranormal yeah. stuff like that. So that would be pretty sweet. Well, we're relying on you. It's all on your shoulders, too. right? Yeah, <laughs> you did that once before, though. Whenever you went to uh, Roswell, New Mexico. yeah, went to Roswell. So fun. I, I remember when I did that in the car, and I was just like, I was like, it'd be so tight to be able to do this for for a living, like go somewhere that was either paranormal related or you know, horror related or video game related, and like be able to like call into shows and give an interview of like a review of a place. Oh yeah, so sure. Cool. Oh, sure. Real quick. Mm-hmm. I forgot that just reminded me of your Roswell trip. I'm actually next Friday, Friday the 13th. The lady and I are going to say her name, the please. Stanley hotel. <gasps> oh, you are doing that. Yeah. And we're doing the ghoster. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So I have to do it when we get back <laughs> on next Friday week. the 13th, on Friday the 13th. And what, yeah, what lady are you taking with you? Jeffrey and I. Okay. Uh, he's <laughs> always doing that. Yeah. He's, Christ. He references his, his partner, girlfriend, girlfriend, whatever. I'd be as bold as fiance. Fiance. If I was being respectful. Okay. So your fiance is a lady. And then listener Cody refers to his kid as the boy or the girl. And I know it drives people nuts. Why do you call him that? Yeah. <laughs> it's not the 1600s. They took the room 237 for the shining because that the hotel specified we don't want this room associated. Yep. Yeah. So they changed the number. Yeah. Oh, really? I, uh, I think yeah. the actual room was 137. Yeah. They changed it to 237. Mm. Whenever I went there a year and a half ago, uh, we didn't get to do the tour. Because in order to do the tour, like, ambiance. Yeah. Oh yeah, South City. Buddy. <laughs> South City. Just like last time. <laughs> <I know. laughs> Look, there goes oh, the light. It's a chase uh, this time, guys. Uh, <laughs> for once, it's not us. Hey, we're on Pontian Seneca City Trade Post. We're it's safe, and you can get all your DVDs. Uh, hey, if you can prove you were getting chased at this time, come on in for twenty percent off. Oh, Wait, that man, is, there's more. There's 100%. one hundred percent. Oh, no, there's man. more. There's four now. Man, was there a meat wagon too? 
No, that no, was no, all that, clean. That was Chase, dude. That's all okay. Yeah. It's a Chase. Uh, so I forgot wow, what I was. We. No, forgot, what was I talking about? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. The time that you went to Stanley Hotel. I went to Stanley Hotel. You could get into, like, it's pretty cool because when you go there, like, there's so much history. Uh, there's been so many, like, historical people there. Mm-hmm. And then with the Stanley mm-hmm. Steamer stuff, like, I had no idea about, like, the steam engine. Oh. You'll learn about it. Oh, I didn't either. I thought you were talking about, like, carpet cleaning. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's what I'm thinking about. Get your carpet cleaner with Stan, Stanley so Steamer. Steam engines, they had, like, some kind of thing in there you learned about. I'm pretty sure. I can't remember. But hmm. I was mainly there for all the, the pop culture stuff. So, like, I got to go where they filmed. I like The Shining. It's not, like, my favorite thing in the world. But Dumb and Dumber is 100% my favorite <laughs> fucking thing in the world. So when I went in there, like, I got to sit right where I got to go take a picture right by the, we landed on the moon? <laughs> like, you know, that, like that. And that right, was all, right. that's all, that's all improv by Jim Carrey. Like, he was just like, it was just, he was just supposed to exit the scene. But like, he looked at the, there's like a picture there and it says, man walks on moon. And he's like, huh, we landed on the moon? Or like you know, he says whatever he and says. And they left it in there. Yeah, and they that's left it in great. there because they were like, "Who thinks of shit like that?" That's right. right. Boy, Christmas, <laughs> the most idiotic dude ever. <laughs> like, yeah, that's so. Yeah, it, it's a phenomenal place, and the, the scenery is unbelievable. Yeah, and hopefully you can make make it out of the maze. You should see this thing, dude. It's like it's like this tall. <laughs> it's, like, it's like yeah. So it's, it's like there's like a some kind of ad there when you like look at the the thing. It'll be like. We know you came here for the maze. Here it is. <laughs> it's like as big as like these two tables put together. Like it's, it's silly, but that's sad. But oh wow! But oh, when the actual yeah, like did they chop it down? No, it's just for like it's just for the movie. You know, if you yeah. if you watch the behind the scenes in The Shining, and I know we're off topic, but no, you're fine. Yeah, we they are. They built it with plywood. Yeah, and they um they put the the. Uh, leaves on it mm-hmm. and then when they do the snow they did like salt so they could i mean it, it was like 100 degrees in this thing yeah. when they were oh, filming wow. so i mean that's and, why if you see if you see uh nicholson's um face like it was the sweat and shit well, that's why none enemies. of them are breathing yeah. and you can't see yeah i noticed that as a kid huh they're so sweaty, yeah, because it's so hot. And the actual like hotels in Wyoming or Montana, like it's a lodge. It's not even the Stanley that they filmed. They just, they <laughs> are you some. are you staying the night there, or are you just going? To no, we're Park? staying. Yeah, we're staying the I night there. Oh, yeah. You better document that. Oh yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Are you bringing, are you bringing <laughs> your equipment? Yeah, I'll probably bring it. So, you gonna, oh, we, gonna, and we got the, the romantic. We anything? got the romantic package, so we get a free Does bottle mean, of champagne with our tour. Oh, oh, oh free yeah. bottle of champagne and ghost sex too, or what? Spectrophilia. <laughs> <laughs> right. I do not like it. Well, stay out of the bathtub. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you find that old lady in there. Yeah. Uh, don't look at Don't look in the reflection of the mirror. Right. Right. <laughs> that's Jeez. that's pretty cool. Though. If you see the twins outside in the hallway, run. 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 <laughs> well, like, regard, regardless of the of the paranormal aspect of the, that hotel is yeah. beautiful, and the surrounding like area, like Azure, Essence Park is a really weird. I mean, it's like a utopia. I don't know. It's really weird. Like, cause it's just like this random road. And then there's like this, like Creek that goes through the whole town. And there's like all these shops and antique shops. And then just this massive, beautiful hotel up there. And there's so much history. Yeah. yeah. Kind of like, like a Springs. Yeah. Yeah, a, yeah. Yeah. It reminded me a lot of you. There's an underground Springs. tunnel system. So if there was ever like during, mm-hmm. you know, the fallout or whatever, they actually built this underground so they could actually evacuate the president. Yeah. So when you go into the Stanley hotel, there's like, 
down in the basement. There was like a set of wide double doors, and when you open that up, it goes like underneath the whole entire yeah. area. There's like this tunnel huh. system. See, when we when we went there, we didn't stay there, and we didn't pay for the tour because the tours were like at random times, and it was pretty expensive. But everybody that I've talked to that was there, they're like, "Oh yeah, we're staying here. We're having lunch here. Blah blah. blah. We do this this." And then they all say that like, if you're gonna go there, get a get a room. And, and oh, do really? the whole experience because yeah. it is really cool. Hmm. And, and they said it's really cool, but like, don't you know? You gotta you gotta go in there wanting to believe. Yeah, you know, hope for the yeah. best, expect yeah. the yeah. worst. Yeah. yeah. So wow. basically, just one up Steve. Make sure I document it. I'm yeah. like Roswell. But <laughs> don't don't come back telling me a story of how your drink had more drink in it after you woke up the next morning because your ice melted in the cup. I mean, maybe. No, no, that's no, scientifically, that's no, not what happened. No, 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 that's not what I said. Oh, I said what happened was when we went to uh, when we went to Eureka uh, Springs. Yeah, Eureka Springs and whatever the Crescent, the Crescent. That um, when we went to bed, like the drinks were full. When I woke up in the morning, it's like somebody had actually drank out of it, and they were emptier than what I remember. So it could have been I, that I woke up in the middle of the night and I drank some and didn't realize yeah, that's it. Probably it. Yeah, I could have swore the story you said was there's actually more drink in there. No, no, no. We're gonna have to go back to that episode <laughs> for the record to figure out. Are what you gonna? Happens. Are you gonna the taunt? in the room was mm-hmm. off. <laughs> are you gonna? Are you gonna do taunt? Like, are you gonna taunt taunt things like? Draw the pentagram. Type Sounds like a good idea. Last, are you going to draw a pentagram on the carpet? I mean, the last time I taunted anything was when we went to that uh, museum in Omaha. Yeah, like, that, like Bones did. I, I got the phone call the next morning that uh, that uh, in the sink there was like a cup with milk in it, and there was nobody else in the house but her. Yeah, and, and back at their house back home. Yeah. So because we went down in the basement to the what the fifth dimension or <laughs> yeah. whatever it was, yeah, and they had this haunted doll, and it was called like Demas. And the lady, of course, was like all serious. She's like, "Now don't, don't taunt she the doll." She didn't talk that way. She didn't talk that way at all. But it was just she was kind of pretentious about it. And she said, "Now don't taunt the doll." No, no, no. She had like that whole like ghost hunter, you know, TV paranormal vibe. It's not my jam. Wait, Anyways, we're gonna have to talk about this. Yeah, I want to go see this. So it's a creepy doll, right? Oh, it's like true. from the 20s, and it's like this weird like Patrick Starflower shape, and it had like the little knitting. Who's Patrick on it. Starflower? Star or starfish. This episode is going to be four hours long. See, she knows. I know. Yeah, kids. She's got it. And uh, but it had like this creepy like porcelain face, Mm -hmm. and and there was a sign that said like in the front of it like you know don't you know don't taunt the doll or whatever. Uh So I'm just like, well, I mean. Nobody's around me, so I'm just like thinking in my mind, like you know, you're a piece of crap, like all y'all are like a doll. Like, you don't got no power. And then they had like, was it the Oculus? He's ob- on a doll. Yeah, was it, yeah. Was it the <laughs> Oculus? Yeah, the Oculus three. Oh yeah, like I was going at it, and then the Oculus flinch. The Oculus just said like death, and I was like, oh my god, what did it just say? So then I was like, start taunting some more, and it just said stop, and then it said like enemy. So then I got Sean over there, and then I just kept going off. Like, in my mind, I'm like, oh, this is all BS. Well, then the next morning, I got this phone call, and, like, Jeffrey was super upset because she was the only one in the house because we didn't the, – the kids all went to their other respective parents. So it was just her. She got up. She ate breakfast, let the dogs out, and then when she came back inside um, in the sink, she had already done the dishes from breakfast, but in the sink was setting this, you know, like, ceramic mason-looking cup – and she puts it on the very top shelf, and she's short, like five one, so she can't ever reach it. But she hated that cup because every time you drank milk out of it, it would leave like this ring on the inside lip, and she could never get it clean. So inside the sink was sitting that cup with about that much milk in it. And she's Preston like, just shit everybody about an inch worth of milk. Yeah. 
And she was freaked out because she's like, the doors were locked. Like, who the hell's in our house? And she's like, what do I do? I'm like, well, you know, we had the gun on, on top of the fridge. Just go load it and just walk room to room. Because I'm like, Preston's like, I've got my I'm voice in, recorder yeah. and i got my pentagram paint. And I'm in Nebraska, so, like, you're going to have to figure this out, babe. Right. Go, but there was nobody in the go house. The like, she she <laughs> went room to room, and she still to this day has no idea how that cup ended in the sink with milk in it because she never used it. And she was so upset, like even Sean and uh, yeah, I can hear, yeah, yeah, just hear the the you know the fright in her voice, and so I was like, wow. oh shit, maybe I shouldn't have her. flexed on yeah. that doll. Yeah. We're just but it's doll. a very considerate ghost to put it Wait. in the sink after using it. I mean, so it's, it's in Nebraska. Yeah, the, ha- yeah. the haunted yeah. museum was. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, the Museum okay. of Shadows. I yeah. Think. Okay. Uh, oh, I forget the name of the town, but it's just outside of Omaha. It's worth a go. It is. Okay. It's definitely worth a trip. Yeah. Whatever you do, just don't. Don't flex on the doll. So. And I approach Demas, and I'm thinking, like, okay, I'm all in. This could be very real. I'm thinking pl- positive thoughts. And then this Preston over here, like, what do you want, you little punk? Yeah, and so it's got, like, a sign that comes up with things no. saying or what? Oh, no, like, there's this little uh, box called, in, like, an Ovilus 3. And it's, like, basically, like, a uh, kind of like a cell phone. You put it down, like, an old, like, Nokia and it's listening and it's recording, like, uh, I might be wrong, but, like, electric, you know, electromagnetic fields. Yeah. And then words pop up. Random words just so his, show up. Like it's got a dictionary inside of it. Yeah, and it's got so when they created it, um, the very first one had like a thousand words programmed in. Mm-hmm. So the, you know, the, I think they're on the Obulus Four now. Yeah. So there's probably like five thousand words programmed in, in this thing. So the idea is, as a spirit, you can use your energy to you know manipulate the electromagnetic field around the device, and it will randomly generate. Was telling you. It, like I'm thinking in my head, like you know, you're a piece of crap doll, like you're nothing, and it would just pop up, quit, enemy, yeah, stop. Really. Oh, yeah. That's what Demas looks like. So like it's like oh, enemy, stop, and then Sean comes over there, and person's like, yeah, you know, what the thing just told me. <laughs> Sean's over there, thought. and then like before Preston walks away, the last word it pops up. Jackass. <laughs> whenever it said, whenever I walked over there and it said "run," I snapped a picture of the word "run," and then I quickly walked away. <laughs> Whoa! Yeah. You really messed with. I me. did. Yeah. We were we were in the other building or the top of the building that used to be like a brothel and all this stuff, and it looks like they're kind of renovating it. It's like a lot of sheetrock and like old rooms, and like we're all kind of doing our own thing, and we come Preston and I come into this long corridor, and then Rob Bones is just like. The muscle dude. I mean, this dude's beast. He, yeah. Yes, he is. A, yeah, yeah. He, he power lifts and, and, and all that. And uh, well, I forgot what he was saying, he but just, basically he, he's like, what? Yeah. Come at me. And just the <laughs> amount of hype and energy he had. And like, we're just sitting there looking at him. He turns around. He's like, hey, what's up, guys? <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> just yeah, completely Zach Beggins in that. So. <laughs> yeah. Come at me, bro. Well, speaking of Zach Beggins. No oh. thanks. We'll get yeah. back to the, we'll get oh, back to the topic at hand. <laughs> So to tell the story about Amityville, you first got to go back and talk about the murder of the DeFeo family. Around 6.30 p.m. on Wednesday, November 13, 1974, a 23-year-old man called Ronald DeFeo Jr. busted into Henry's Bar in Amityville, Long Island, New York, and declared, quote, You gotta help me. I think my mother and father are shot. Then DeFeo and a small group of people went to his house at 112 Ocean Avenue, which is located at uh, located near the bar, and found that DeFeo's parents were both indeed dead inside the house. One of the group, DeFeo's friend Joe Yeswit, or Yeswit, made an emergency call to the Suffolk County Police, who searched the house and found that all six members of his family were all dead, lying in their beds. Victims ranged from Ronald Jr.'s parents, Ronald DeFeo Sr., 
Louise DeFeo, and his four siblings, Don, Allison, Mark, and John Matthew. So this is where I wanted to cut in. Um, so one thing I always read about that, that um, like one police report was they were baffled because when they walked into like each room, like it, it looked like the victims never got up, like they never stirred right. from their sleep. Mm-hmm. So he basically went from room, shot him at point blank, went to the other room, shot him at point blank. And then, like, you know, nobody woke up. So, like, this idea that they were under some type of spell, sleep paralysis, and that's why he was able to go from room to room. Drugged. Drugged. And then you read other reports, and, the, like, some police officer said, no, that's all bullshit. Like, that, you know, so I wanted to ask you, like, in your research, what did you find? Is it true or not true? Or what's the, your opinion? Of the sleep paralysis? Or just the fact that I, he was able to. I think they slept through. How can yeah. you sleep through you, you'd be surprised what people can sleep through, honestly. <laughs> yeah. When and yeah, like especially. But when you wake up if your mate's getting shot in the head, I would think so. I mean, I, I would I would think so too. But like my job that I'm currently at right now, we have this one individual literally will sleep through anything. Like I have to like if if we need to get him up to for like a safe because sometimes we'll do like safety drills so like we have to make sure that we can get this person out of their bed like if there's a tornado or something like that and i mean i have to literally like physically like almost push him out of bed to get him well, to wake just up just one person yeah yeah but another thing is all of them sleep through that but the thing but the thing is though also is like what if it was like some dark energy in there that was making them did they test the, did they do autopsies I I don't think they Paralysis. actually did toxicology so they could have been well, drugged the, mm-hmm. yeah. one of the documentaries I watched said that they there wasn't any evidence of it being so I don't okay. know. Hmm. So they're, that's leaning towards dark I think after six people are shot, <laughs> I don't know if they look through toxicology. Right? They might have just said, oh, bullet. You know, when, if they're all laying like they were, they were sleeping, that's strange. Yeah. yeah, they were all supposedly on their stomachs uh, with their arms kind of crossed under their head, just all asleep. Were they posed? I don't know. That's what it kind of sounds like to me was, you know, a lot of the sources say they're all in similar positions. But, but once you, like, if... They had to be shot where they were where they were laid. You can't like it's really hard to like right. shoot somebody He's the way right. they do and yeah. then put them back and like pose them in a bed. I mean the the debris right. from the, from the skull or the body would be mm-hmm. just be so crazy, you know. Very true. But I if kind of like a comedic factor when we shouldn't be joking about this because of death. <laughs> but uh, when I was watching this documentary, I'm pretty much non familiar not familiar with Amityville Horror or any of that stuff. So. Uh, watching that 90s, I'm assuming his 90s documentary was pretty cool. I like watching 90s documentaries. <laughs> it's a history there's some, documentary, yeah. There's something special about like the 90s, like the way they did documentaries. So like, I really enjoyed it. Um, but when they said Ocean Avenue, I was like, does this have anything to do with a yellow card song? <laughs> oh. Right. I was hoping you were going to say it was related. So. <laughs> no, it was, it was so funny. Well, the police estimated that around 3 a.m. in that morning, all the victims had been shot with a 35 caliber... If I could talk, thirty-five caliber lever action Marlin three thirty-six C rifle. The DeFeo parents had both been shot twice at close range, while the children had all been killed with single long-range shots. Physical evidence suggests that Louise DeFeo and her daughter Allison were both awake at the time of their deaths. According to the county police, the victims were all around were all found lying face down in bed. The DeFeo family had occupied 112 Ocean Avenue since purchasing it back in 1965, and all six victims were later buried 
in a nearby St. Charles Cemetery in Farmingdale. Now, there's been other cases of people, like one person killing their whole family or a group of people, you know, like going from room to room. And then, like, excuse me, we think of, like, if we were sleeping or even awake and heard somebody get shot, what's the first thing you would do? Would you, like, lie in bed and just sit there and be like, what, what's going on, what's going on? Or would you be like, you know, I'm getting the hell out of my job well, the window. especially if you're a kid. Yeah, like, you're like it's a 50-50 shot. No, yeah, yeah, not, like, what's going on, what's going on? Like, well, I yeah, tell you, you what. you don't even register in your mind that it's a gun. Yeah. Last night, yeah. Last night when I heard that boom, ba boom, 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 yeah. I sat there. <laughs> yeah. I sat there I've and waited that. to see, I've like, that. is that it? If I don't move, it won't see me. Yeah. They got a compliment. You got like. Process. Yeah, process yeah. It, yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Comprehend well, what the Because also, too, like if you if you hear gunshot, you're like, I'm getting out of here. Are you just running straight into the fire? You know, straight into the, the gunshots? Or, yeah, you know. but I I mean, I, I want to. First, you have to register is that a gunshot yeah. or is. I want to believe mm-hmm. that when this dude did this terrible act, that he was under, you know, some kind of. So do I. Crazy That's possession. I crazy possession. Yes. Yeah. And then I think that the energy was possessing the victims as well to get them to comply ah, or succumb to to the tragedy itself. Could have been. To add to the more negative energy in, in Right. Because you don't want to believe that yeah. a human being is that evil. Yeah. Yeah. And then, of course, history Especially shows when, us. Like, because like, do they? Do you have? Is there any knowledge of like? Did this guy have any history of mental illness? Like, did he show anything? Wait, was did he, he do any death worshiping? Did they look uh, at that? Well, was he a sinner? I mean, was he a Satanist? Ronnie DeFeo actually. I mean, from what I remember, I, and I didn't read this part again, but he was um, accused, I think, by his father of embezzlement, mm-hmm. and that may have been the catalyst of why he killed his father. Yep. And the and then you know if you kill your dad you pretty much got to kill the whole family right because there was Jeez. there was a pretty big chunk of change as far as like uh, oh it wasn't like a life insurance plan it was some kind of other inheritance or something he could all got a hold of and that was one of the biggest you know later on uh, motives as to why he did what he did because if you kill your parents you're gonna be caught red handed because right. I mean we would assume the kids come running out and see what's going on so that's why people lean towards the idea that maybe he drugged everybody with sleeping pills at least the kids. Oh. And then, because it said, you know, some evidence has shown that potentially the mother could have been awake. So he may have shot the dad and then turned the gun on the mom. So maybe, I mean, he could have just been like a crazy bastard and and did this. But, which in turn, I mean, I, that much negative energy in that one area. I mean, mm-hmm. that, you know. I, mean, I don't yeah. know. I don't know. I don't know. I've been in places before where tragedies happened, and I mean, I've never felt anything, but I could definitely see it definitely being there. Yeah, wow. possibly. You know what I mean? Like, kind of like what, like, I want to, that's why part of me wants to, like, if I ever get the, tra- the option to travel, um, like, around the world or stuff, like, I'd like to go to, like, Auschwitz or Normandy Beach, like, to feel, to see if you can feel some kind of energy, because, like, I, I find that, that history so incredible. Of, you know, just history in general of the human race and then being able to go there and feel the energy. And some people have said that, like, when you go there, you do feel that. But is it just your emotions? I mean, you already know actual, what happened. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it'd be better to go to a place you didn't know had some oh, kind of tragedy. Yeah, like yeah. when I took the ghost tour uh, that John Zappas did up at WSU, Shayla and I went on this ghost tour. It was pretty cool. His presentation, yeah, yeah, it was back when they did this gig called, like, Shocktoberfest. It was right around the end of September, first part of October. And, you know, John Zaffis, kind of akin to uh, Ed and Lorraine Warren, ghost, uh, you know, ghost hunter, demonologist, he came out and did a presentation. 
And then we did a tour afterwards of the different areas of the campus where people have died, the different parts of like where the um, the drama building was, like the ghost they saw there. And like, I'm not trying to rag on anybody, but there's nothing more miserable about a ghost tour than being packed in a room with 50 to 100 people and then having four or five people instantly say, I'm feeling the presence. There's something oh, yeah. here. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't want to. Well, I've had that experience when we were in Eureka on our honeymoon. Yeah. <laughs> what? Yeah. I, and, and I had that experience when I went to New Orleans and I, and I did a ghost tour there. We've never had that experience. Oh, boy. Really? We yeah. Were, no. we, me and my wife went to Eureka Springs on our honeymoon uh, and went to the Crescent you know, Hotel and did the, did the cool. ghost tour because she wanted to. I didn't, but she did. <laughs> hey, that's fair. So we we go down into, after you know the tour, you end in what the, is it the basement, the basement by the yeah, morgue? Where the morgue is, yeah. the meat locker and all and that, yeah. This whole tour we've had this lady who's clearly from the south. <laughs> that's the best kind by the little lady on the poltergeist yeah Caroline oh yeah go into the light yeah. Caroline yeah. no she, she says something else only this, when I say so only, only when, when I say yeah oh god that movie was good wait that's a different time yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're fine but you, so you had a lady like that though oh yeah oh miserable what was she doing Oh, the whole you know dramatic scene, getting the vapors and the yeah. oh yeah. something happened. I can, I can feel, feel him. It. He's gonna. He's down here. Yeah. Whenever <laughs> he's over there. And then then she was. Then what'd she say? She was. She was like, "I'm gonna cleanse him with my Bible." <laughs> Whenever we went to New Orleans, we did a we did a ghost tour and. <laughs> They took us by the. This was like mm, a year after American Horror Story Coven came out, so it was like that's all based around New Orleans. And Kathy Bates' character, what's her name, the one that put the slaves in the walls? Oh hell, uh, Madam oh, Something. I know who you're talking about. Yeah, was, yeah. Oh, we saw so this ghost tour. You you're walking on down the French Quarter, and you go to you go to the the, the building that Marie she owned. Marie yeah, 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 that's yeah, thank it. You. Yeah, and then uh, so during there, there was this lady. She was like. She like started. <laughs> she started like stumbling, stumbling, and she's like, "Oh, those poor African American slaves!" Like, and I was just like, "Are I you mean, kidding me?" There, there like, are people. I believe there are people that have that gift that had the yes. uh, Venetian veil or whatever it's called. But like this lady, the whole the whole ghost tour. Because you know it's it's a ghost tour, but it's also a bar ghost tour. Well, why does, so why does it have to be the people that you? Already kind of figured the, stereo- <laughs> the stereotypical yeah. people. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, like the person. The person I would believe is the one that's been quiet the entire time, and all of a sudden there you look over and it looks like they're having a seizure. That's my thing. Like, <laughs> like I don't want to come out and I mean maybe that's the difference between me and the next person. I don't want to come out and be like, holy shit, like I feel something. I saw something. Yeah, but that's just part of it. Going like when we were at WSU, there's three or four people. I feel it right here. He like you said, he's here with us. I feel it. I feel so, it's cold right here, and I'm like just. You could even tell, like, John was almost getting irritated. <laughs> and, all right, guys, let's go on to the next. And it just yeah, became kind had, of a bummer. But. We had the same thing at Eureka Springs. When oh, we were, we're going there. So we did the we It's, did the it's surprisingly a really affordable, nice place to it is. It is. Yeah, yeah, it's fun. Get ready to see the orbs. And we were, uh, you know, so they take they God. take you in, like, the third or fourth floor. There's, like, a, like a <laughs> I don't know, like a conference room. And they take you in there, and everybody sits down. And then the lady comes in, and she's all dressed up, looks like you know the late 1800s, yeah. and she does her spiel. And then they they go through, and they they take you down to like the the first floor that has all the rooms on it. And they're talking about this death of this little girl that like fell over the rail. So the tour guy, she gets out of a little EMF meter, and she's like going like this, and but she has it like super low, like the height of a child. And she gets next to like somebody, and it starts going off, and she's like. <gasps> 
think the ghost of the little girl is here. But I'm like, wait a minute. The K2 meter works off of like cell phones. So this person has their freaking cell phone in their pocket. And I already been like four or five drinks in at that time. So I'm just like, bullshit. <laughs> Press, is like, Press is like, that's not a KMF detector. Yeah. This is a KMF detector. Yeah. And then Jeffrey's like, so they're like, honey, <laughs> shut, shut up. But you know what? When I took the tour, we got lucky because we went into the little room. It was, we took a late tour. And like the lady walks in wearing the bonnet and, you know, the dress. And she's like, well, welcome everybody to. And she kind of looked around, and it was Shayla and I, and these three like sixty plus year olds. Was it a purple dress? Might have been. I don't know. <laughs> I think it's the same lady. <laughs> well, this lady, she looks at the five of us, and she starts like halfway through her sentence, she stops, and she's like, "Do I have to?" Yeah, and, and we're the, like, "Yeah, that's oh what, for real?" The she, same we, lady? Got, we got the tour with the complete, you know, straight accent, not the uh, okay. And we, she's like, "Do I have to do this?" We're like. Do what? You don't have to. She's like, well, normally there's like a little 15 minute skit I do, but she's like, it's late. And we did the last tour of the night. Yeah. And she's like, I'll gladly give you guys in exchange for not doing this a deeper tour and take you to some of the restricted places. And we're like, yeah, yeah please. Do that, so dude. she took the bonnet off. She undid the top few <laughs> buttons of her dress. Man, I got so and she got real relaxed. <laughs> and if you guys go, sign up for the last tour. Of the night, yeah, you get you get oh, more wow. for your money. Now, what okay. is funny is like I she handed us the little detectors and we're going around and I was saying some of that kind of stuff too. Wait, so is, are the detectors? Is, is I'm just picturing like Egon's shit on kind, kind of yeah. smaller. <laughs> but anyway, like I I tried to debunk some of that stuff and so I would take the meter to like the center of a room, keeping it away from all the outlets, yep. and it would go off a couple times. And yeah. she's like, oh, you know, maybe she likes you. And Shayla says, well, little kids do like you a lot. Like your kids and animals are attracted to you. And so, I mean, I tried to stay away from that kind of stuff. But yeah. before we move on back to Amityville, the one funny thing that happened was down in the meat, down in the meat locker. It's just a tour guide, and then the five of us, and we've got our flashlights. And we're looking around, and we're like, "Is anybody here?" Blah blah blah. And I turn around and shine the flashlight up, and I saw a, a man's face, and I go, "Ah!" And it was the poster of the doctor <laughs> hanging up there. But to me, like, I just turned around and spun it. He's gotcha. just like staring and I mean I screamed like a girl and everyone's like what 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 and I was like damn it <laughs> I, that reminds me I'll, I'll tell her real quick yeah go for it yeah I was the uh, unfortunately I probably am the person responsible for some people's ghost story mm-hmm. uh, we did the ghost walk down in uh, Delano this was probably five years ago uh-huh. at least and we ran um, a hairdresser's and she was telling a story, and I noticed that when I pushed forward on a chair, the chair on the other side of the table would move. Oh, so nice. I waited, I waited, and I bided my time until finally <laughs> I pushed <laughs> it forward a little, and the chair moved, and she stopped. Did you see that? And everybody's no, that's amazing. No, what? No. She's like, did you see it? And someone else says, I saw it. So I wait until she starts talking, and then I move my leg forward a little more, and it moves like, over here a lot. This. And I'm just biting my tongue, and then she's like, "That's okay. awesome." You're now responsible for her. I t- and as soon as we got outside, I said, "Leslie, I got to tell you." <laughs> John, I had a feeling because you were had, hanging it on. I had to come clean. I had to. Because oh, I was like, "Wait, what?" I didn't see. No. Find yeah, out that lady quit her job. Yeah. And scared, scared or straight? Now she's yeah. a born again believer. And everybody yeah. left there. Yeah. That's like, awesome. No, that's it was amazing. funny though. I was just like, "Dang!" Oh, and I, I did check. Um, Ronnie DeFeo did. 
basically steal $17,000 from his grandfather's business. Okay. Oh, he claimed that he was robbed in Manhattan when he was t- supposed to be taking checks and cash to the bank. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So the and police basically, you know, found out later he did put it together. steal that money. Okay. Well, he, he kept a pretty straight story. Um, being the only survivor of the entire, you know, murder, he was taken into police custody. He was, you know, cared after for his own protection. The police went and did, you know, an investigation of the scene of the crime. And he built up the story saying that uh, Louis Fallini, a member of the mob, was a hitman who must have come and, you know, put a hit out on the entire family, but only he survived. Because whether I, whether he was not there, he was out with his friends well, or he, whatever. He went to Manhattan and did drugs, apparently. Okay. Okay. Yeah, Fair enough. Like he alibi. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And then he came back to find the family. Okay. What the mob man won with his family? You don't know what the... Listen, police officer, I was out doing lines of cocaine and yeah. when I came back and saw that. I couldn't have killed my family. I was doing bumps of coke. <laughs> I was well, busy. The next day, <laughs> the next day, he confessed to carrying out the killings himself, and Fellini, um, the alleged hitman, actually was investigated and had an airtight alibi proving he was out of state at the time of the killings. I was killing three other people. <laughs> <laughs> I was killing other people. So he, he, quoted, he was quoted by saying, I once started... Sorry, once I started, I couldn't stop. It went so fast. He admitted that he had t- taken a bath afterwards and redressed, and then he detailed where he had discarded crucial evidence, such as blood-stained clothes and the Marlin rifle, rifle if I could talk tonight, uh, <laughs> rifle and cartridges before going to work as usual. Then he went to the bar later. Uh, his trial began October 14th of 75, where he and his defense lawyer, William Weber, coming back into the story later, mounted an affirmative defense of insanity with DeFeo claiming that he had killed his family in self-defense because he heard voices tell him to do so. And he, ho- he heard other ver- uh, voices saying that they were plotting against Ronnie himself. So he claims he just kept hearing a menagerie of these voices in the house telling him to do bad things. So is the house, it's a two-story house, right? It's a three-story, three-story with a and, basement. And, and murders happened on multiple levels. I, I do believe, I think, yeah. So I, I think it was two different floors. Yeah, I believe so, it was two separate floors. I'm just trying to, he's saying that it went so fast, but he, I mean, you would have had to have traversed from one level to the next, well, and you can't tell me your mind wouldn't have been like, oh, maybe I shouldn't be doing this. Or, I mean, if you hopped up on adrenaline, and yeah, if you've been he doing was the all bugger. in at that point. He, yeah. Once I mean, he started, no he had back. to continue. I know, but I, I just can't help but think in them, those that's the difference between like, a real person and a psychopath. Right. Uh, and a real person <laughs> and a psychopath hopped up on booger sugar. Yeah. You know. Or even, even with job drugs, I mean, let's not skip the fact that it could, it could be a negative energy spirit. <laughs> well, demon. Very listen, true. Brady's a skeptic here. Steven's in the corner with his little bonnet on twirling yeah. his umbrella. Yeah. It could be the ghost. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's the, the demon again. If you guys listen to Ed and Lorraine Warren, uh-huh. she actually got the, in her, she had flashes uh-huh. of DeFeo doing the deeds. Oh, interesting. And I, okay. and I, so my comment on Ed and Lorraine Warren, like I, well, I know of. Let's this. save that for the end because they'll come in. Okay. Well, okay. I mean, unless you want to talk about them now. No, my comment is just like just generalization of Ed and Lorraine Warren. Cool. So like my my thing is like I've never seen them before up to this point. Like mm-hmm. I've seen them pictures, but I never seen them like actual talk in the interviews. And I was like, 
holy shit, they are some characters. They really like, they are. They literally oh, yeah. are characters yeah. of oh, yeah. themselves. And they I was just like, <laughs> and then, and I was sitting here, I was Were like. Were you thinking of the Conjuring version of them? <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. yeah I, them I mean, or the people that represented them. The, the yeah. people that represented them, but like, oh, you know, like okay. more like, kind of like, I mean, but when I saw them in this interview, I'm like, man, they're characters. And then, and then I was sitting there thinking, I was like, holy shit. John and Leslie are our Ed and Lorraine Warren, two a no, married a married couple that loves paranormal <laughs> but, but shit. Not. I was like, holy shit, we got our own Ed and Lorraine Warren. That's funny. Well, they'll come back up in the story um, yeah. during the epilogue, yes, but yeah, they're that's but like I, yeah. the way that right. she had like her hair and like what she was wearing. I was like, this chick loves herself. Like she loves what she does. Like oh, she's yeah. a character. It's she's awesome. She's always the center of attention. Yeah, yeah. 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 We'll, we'll, but real we'll be quick, talking about this that. Is my last comment on the uh, the Lorraine Warren thing. Is that she, even in her interviews, the reason I said that about Satanism and worshiping the devil, because she said she felt that mm-hmm. brought the demon that possessed him to do the murders. That he mm-hmm. actually mm-hmm. perpetuated what was happening. So, real quick, I'll add to that, that uh, one of the, the things when I was doing the original research <laughs> when we <laughs> covered this like 40 episodes ago, was that um, somebody had brought up Actually, that... Uh, not wrong. The, what? What, what was the, the, the Lutz, George Lutz, uh-huh. was actually into the occult. So if you look at the first two families, the DeFeos and then the Lutz, even though like he admitted it once but wouldn't admit it again... The fact that he was into a cult, those are like the only two families that have actually experienced anything. Like everybody else who's bought the house since then, mm-hmm. unless they just don't want to admit it, have said, I don't know what the hell you guys are talking about. Like, it's just a house. They stayed there that They long. did yeah. say that even after they moved, though, they experienced that they didn't want to, they didn't want to bring it public because of all the attention that. Fire, you know. Well, that's you what mean, happens when you know they're, you they're, up the next the next house they move. Like they evidently followed them, <laughs> they, but they stay didn't. with you. We'll get, yeah, we'll get to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, there's <laughs> more info on that as well. I have some things <laughs> to say about that. <laughs> oh, yep. oh my goodness. Well, Ronnie, De, Ronnie DeFeo and his defense attorney were trying to go for a um, insanity plea, but the psychiatrist for the prosecution, Doctor Harold Zolan. Leslie says that the <laughs> demon's name that convinced DeFeo to kill his whole family was actually heroin and LSD. <laughs> <laughs> that's what he said in, in No, 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 no. Did no, no. really I, say that? No, that was ad lib, folks. <laughs> yeah, that's um, the gift that keeps on giving. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, the prosecution's uh, <laughs> psychiatrist said that. By demons, you mean cocaine. Right. You got demons in your blood, boy. <laughs> Do some more cocaine about it. Um, no, they. <laughs> Dr. Harold Zolan said that they discovered that uh, DeFerro was an avid user of heroin and LSD. He also had an antisocial personality disorder and indeed was aware of his actions at the time of the crime, intentionally killing his entire family. And on November 21st, 1975, DeFerro was found guilty on six counts of second-degree murder. On December 4th, 1975, Judge Thomas Stark sentenced DeFerro to six concurrent sentences of 25 years to life, and he is currently being held in the Sullivan Correctional Facility in Fallsburg, New York. Is he still alive? I do believe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, he, I why didn't he get first degree? Yeah. Why is it second degree? Mm-hmm. I have no idea. Weird. That you is know? weird. Or does it even isn't well, like isn't first degree like it's all planned out and then like premeditated type thing? Right. Yeah. Because he's it. probably like hopped up on heroin. And oh yeah. Second degrees when you're stoned. <laughs> yeah, he's all like high as a kite, <laughs> and then like Emperor Palpatine comes up next to him. He's like, "Do it." He's like, "Well, you have to remember." 
the lawyer Weber, he was very interested in getting him in a reduced sentence mm-hmm. because that two hundred thousand dollar life insurance policy on the entire family, he was the only person, Ronnie was the only person who would have got that money. Yeah, but you can't yeah. get it if you Exactly. Murder. That's why Weber is so intent. Mm-hmm. Later on, we're going to talk about Weber yeah. is very intent on finding this as a demonic possession uh-huh. Uh-huh. and trying to get this overturned yeah. in the appeal. Well, that's what we're Basically to get the 200000 Yeah, He's one of those lawyers that, you only pay me if we win. Yeah. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Slimy bastard. Right. $200,000, that's, that's all the right. demons in the world. That, right. and this is 1975 money. Yeah, that is a lot of money. all the heroin I could buy. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. And the LSD. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Come on, Ronnie. You, you, you want to see demons? <laughs> I will be the devil. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. He's right. summoning his own. <laughs> uh-huh, exactly. Okay, so now the real crux of the story and the book. So the house on 112 Ocean Avenue remained empty for about 13 months after the, after the DeFeo murders. Then, in December of 75, George and Kathleen Lutz bought the house at what was considered to be a bargain price of only $80,000. $80,000 in 1975. It's a cool-looking house. It is pretty neat. The five-bedroom house was built in a Dutch colonial style and had had a distinctive gamble roof. It also had a swimming pool in the back and a boathouse, and it was located just off the canal. George and Kathy married in July of 75 and each had their own homes, but they wanted a fresh start with a new property. Kathy had three children from a previous marriage, Daniel, Christopher, and Melissa, aged 9, 7, and 5, Missy uh, being 5 years old. Missy was her nickname, and we will henceforth refer to her as Missy. They also owned a crossbreed Malmute Labrador dog named Harry. During their first inspection of the house, the real estate broker told them about the DeFeo murders and also asked if that would affect their decision. After discussing the matter, they decided it was not a problem, probably because they had such a good damn deal on the house. So the Lutz family moves in um, right around December 18th. We're not going to be too date-heavy in this just because there's so many, you know, discrepancies. So I'm just going to skip all the dates pretty much from here on out. Some of the DeFeo family's furniture was actually still in the house when they bought the place. And so for an extra 400 bucks, they bought some of that family's former furniture. They kept a dining room table, a little girl's bed, and Ronald DeFeo's bedroom set. Ugh. A fr- <laughs> right? Ronnie's was the only one that wasn't. I don't care. I would Smattered. Yeah. But it's got drug residue. Yeah. His was the only one that wasn't a... LSD uh, comes out in that Thin white powdered. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You couldn't describe his like you would Waffle House pancakes or eggs or whatever. Splattered and smattered and... Mother and cover. There you, yeah, thank you. Yeah. I don't eat a lot of Waffle House. <laughs> a friend of George Lutz learned about the history of the house and insisted on having it blessed. At the time, George was a non-practicing Methodist and had no experience in this. Uh, Kathy was a non-practicing Catholic and explained the process. George knew a Catholic priest named Father Ray, who had agreed to carry out the blessing. In Anderson's book, the real life's uh, the real life priest's name was Father Ralph J. Pericaro referred to as Father Moncuso for the privacy reasons of the book. Now, the priest had known the Lutz family previously because he knew Kathy. He also knew Kathy already had kids, you know, of her own, and she had met George and they were married. So he kind of had this feeling of being a protector of the kids too because being a priest in that time will stave the jokes. 
he wanted to make sure the kids were safe. And so he kind of had this protective feeling over these kids. And she was a practicing Catholic, like currently going through. No, no, she no, was a non-practicing. Non-practicing. Yeah. So Father Mancuso was a lawyer, a judge, and a Catholic of the Catholic. I'm laughing because we found out that there are discrepancies in every edition of this book. Yeah. And my coveted first edition is not a first edition. It's like the one you got, but yeah, well, you got the dust jacket. I don't. <laughs> so he was a judge of the Catholic court and a psychotherapist who lived at a local sacred heart rectory. He arrived to perform the blessings while George and Kathy were unpacking their belongings that afternoon on December 18th or possibly 19th. And he went to the building to carry out the rites. When he flicked the first little bit of holy water and to pray, he says he heard a masculine voice demand that he get out. And then he felt the force of somebody smacking him in the face. That was hilarious in that documentary, by the way. <laughs> yeah. I was, I was watching that last night and he was like, get out. And I was like, oh, that's creepy. And then all of a sudden... Whack! I'm like, oh, Rick James. Yeah. Like, he's got this inside by Rick James. Right. Rick James. Bitch. Right. <laughs> Showed that priest the back of his hand. Yeah. So, <laughs> so he uh, he quickly does a quick blessing and leaves the house, not mentioning. Like how he finished? Does he finish the blessing? I, depending on the source you read, oh, yes or no. Yes, I believe. I believe yes. he does but finish. Yeah. There's a demon in there. He's he just got bitch slapped by a yeah. demon. Rubbing the side of his cheek. You well, we better finish this. Yeah, you he's, cannot. He's just, he's just chucking loose bottles of holy water in the corner of each room as he's running out of the house. And you're, you're blessed. blessed. You're blessed. And you're Everybody blessed. Everybody gets a blessing. <laughs> yeah, he's the Oprah of the Catholic <laughs> Church. Um, he doesn't mention the incident to George or Kathy. Now, later that evening. But they see a big welt on the side of his face. <laughs> <laughs> Like seriously, like he walks. Does he just walk out of the house? Hi, he is probably a scuttle. I don't think he ran. No, I mean, like, no, no he should have said walk. something. Yeah, he should have said something. He probably did. Your shit's haunted. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Be like, yeah, I'm sorry. Don't call me. I'll call you. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's a funny joke, Brady, because there's a lot of that later on. Don't call me. I'll call you. Yeah. <laughs> later that evening, after the blessing at Alutz's house, Father Moncuso went to have dinner with his elderly mother who commented that at this point he looked very worn out, and to his surprise, he looked in the bathroom mirror and found he had two really dark, almost like dirt smudge circles under both of his eyes. <laughs> it's from the bitch slap. Those black eyes. I got pimp slap, mama. <laughs> and then after he left from having dinner with his mom, this is one of the weirdest things that happens in the book to the priest. He's driving home when all of a sudden... Uh, he's forced into the right lane with what feels like being hit by another car. Then, all of a sudden, he claims the windshield wipers begin to whip back and forth, and then the welding on the latch of the hood gave way. The, the hood broke loose and then smashed the windshield, and the car then stalled out on the shoulder of the highway. Kind of like a Tommy boy. Kind of, yeah, just, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> pretty much. Next, beginning the next night on December 19th, something strange starts to happen to George. Mr. Lutz begins to wake up each night at exactly 3.15 a.m. with a strange anxiety of people being in their yard and their boathouse being unlocked. And to make things worse, he starts hearing unexplained knocking on the house. And to make things worse beyond that, the dog is reacting to these noises and the sensation at the same time as George each night. 
In addition to this, George and Kathy's tempers begin to flare, and they both start getting really pissed off at each other at the slightest thing. And one night, the two during an argument completely boil over and beat the crap out of all three of their children with a leather strap. Whoa. What? Just like the Ryan Reynolds movie, I haven't seen the original in a long time, but you know, Ryan Reynolds starts to really lose his cool and become really kind of standoffish and really irritated. That's what happened primarily to George. You know, he goes from being this loving stepfather who just wants to provide a life for his family to just this monstrous asshole. So here's like, so the, with the original movie, like when it came out, like Lutz really didn't complain about it all that much. Mm -hmm. But then in the 2005 remake, after it came out before George Lutz died, he was so irritated with the way they portrayed his character in that movie because I wasn't that abusive in real life, that he was actually getting ready to sue the studio because of how they portrayed him. Like I Mm -hmm. wasn't that bad. Yeah. Sounds to me like something somebody with a temper would say. Yeah. (laughs) And the following morning, something peculiar happens. All three kids are quietly playing upstairs, shaken from the previous night's beatings. When Missy goes down the hall to use the bathroom, and she quickly discovers the toilet in their upstairs bathroom is now full of black water. In fact, all the toilet bowls in the entire house have mysteriously turned black, and the whole second floor begins to reek of some unholy foul odor akin to feces. Then, if that's not bad enough, in the bedroom that acts as Kathy's sewing room. This is the room that Father Mancuso got slapped. (laughs) (laughs) Slapped. Right. George discovers a massive swarm of flies have caked themselves across the window. Spoiler alert, the rest of the story, he continues to find flies in this one sole room. Then one early evening around December 23rd, George wakes up again at 3.15 in the morning and discovers their front door has been practically ripped off the hinges. The doorknob on the inside has been mangled, while the doorknob on the outside has been almost untouched. The locksmith comes and says it looks like something tried to break out of the house, not in, as the damage has been done from the inside of the house. And later, their little girl begins to walk around humming songs to herself and asking questions like, Mommy, do angels talk? And Kathy also finds a crucifix that had been hung up in the house has now mysteriously ended up in their closet hanging upside down. Awesome. And that closet has a very distinct sour smell accompanying it. Somebody fart here. Mothballs. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Mothballs, yeah. (laughs) On Christmas Eve 1975, Father Moncuso calls George Lutz and advises him to stay out of that second floor room where he heard. Wait, how many days ago? How many days is this after? This is December 24th. Uh, And he just now called him on Christmas Eve? About a week later. On Christmas Eve. When you finally have some weird shit happen, Steve, you'll yeah. probably realize it takes a day or two to really kind of shake that off. And you got to muster up the, the courage to call someone. On Christmas Eve. Hey, Merry Christmas. Oh, by the way. But there's yeah. a lot of discrepancies between the dates they actually moved in because in different uh, interviews and different – they, they give different dates. Yeah, so yeah. That's why I kind of leave out a lot of the dates is because it gets just real wacky. It I mean, it's kind of like, hard to remember, remind, remember some of that stuff. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, when's when, the black toilets? I mean, like, when True. some, when if some of this stuff was happening to me, it's re- I mean, I, I'm everybody that knows me, they do know that I tend to like overhype things sometimes. Like, it's just who I am as a person. Like underground hip hop music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, like, whenever, like, so, like, when you're when you're trying to like describe something that happens to you, sometimes you'll get kind of carried away a little bit. To oh yeah. Kind of over sensationalize it. 
There's a bunch and of flies in the room, and they all congeal together. Yeah. And then they turn into Rick uh, Rick James, and he slapped me. And said, yeah. Bitch. Yeah. Like, I don't know. <laughs> like, Tell me to get out. When it comes to like dates, I don't get all hit, hung up on that and stuff like that. Like, or when it comes like the 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 hood of the car being different, you know, like. That um, car didn't do that in that date. Well, you know, you that type of thing. Like, it's kind of weird. Yeah, to, they yeah. say that they changed the model of the car. Yeah. Do you think maybe they stole the fly thing from The Exorcist? The Exorcist hadn't been out. The movie the hadn't been out yet. Yeah. This happened in 1975, yeah, and The Exorcist came out. Did it really? Hang on a second. We're going to... Good question. Sammy Phil, a horror movie came out in 1979. 1973, December 26th. Nerd. Damn. I don't know. Good question. Good, good question. It is a very unique, you know, uh, attribute. It so, was like one of the scariest movies, like it. Well, oh, shit, yeah, yeah, it still is. Still is. is. Yeah. 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 Well, I love that movie. It's the yeah, there are people calling the question whether uh George knew Ronnie DeFeo. George uh-huh, Ross. Uh-huh. Yep. And if the possibility is that George Lutz and Weber, the attorney, actually concoct this in order to help, you know, Ronnie DeFeo yeah. overturn his conviction. So, the, yeah, that, so that's so that why the dates money? are kind of interesting because... Huh. Where did the insurance money go? Does anybody know? I don't think they ever paid out because they did because it was there was no beneficiary and they were murdered. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, can't collect if kill. So, yeah. what, so like... Uh, that's why I made, tried to make it look like a hitman. Yeah. yeah. Um, it, it is it is pretty weird to see like because when when you weird when we discussed that we were going to do this this uh, episode I was like oh that's cool because I don't really know much about it and like I did not know there was this big conspiracy hoax versus real type thing I didn't know that it's cool yep um let's take a quick break yeah, yeah that's cool okay. And so that's a great place for us to take a break for now and end part one of the Amityville Horror. Because what we didn't realize is sitting down to talk about this entire case, we went on for upwards of about two and a half hours of chatting about this, both, you know, the murder, the story of the Lutz family, and then a lot of the controversy that came there after the Lutz family's experience. So this is a great place to put a pin in it for now. We'll come back next week and finish things out with part two, the finale of the Amityville Horror Saga. So for now, I want to say thank you so much to John and Leslie for joining us. I know uh, they're going to join us for part two because we already recorded all of it. (laughs) And thanks again to CD Trade Post for having us out and letting us, you know, set up shop and record this episode out there. We had a lot of fun and we, uh, we can't wait for everyone to hear part two of how everything turns out. So for now, I just want to plug a few things. The usual. Check out all the shows on the Pixelated Sausage Network. Pixelated Sausage, Attack the Backlog, our other show, 13 Nightmares. We have a Patreon set up on the Pixelated Sausage Patreon page, a little section called Paranormal Nightmares. If you'd like to throw a few bucks in the tip jar, by all means, we sure would appreciate it. And then you know the drill, guys. If you have a beard, if you know a beard, if you want to grow a beard, check out BigDobsBeardBomb.com and use our promo code PXLPARA for 20% off your entire order.
All right. And if you're in the Wichita area, please, we've already mentioned the CD Trade Post. I'll say it again. Check out CD Trade Post and check out our friends down at Fast Print on Harry and Rock Road. All right. And I think that about does it, folks. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for your patience, because I know this episode did come out a day or two late. But again, we did not intend to record that rowdy roundtable for almost three hours. So until next time, guys, for Brady, Preston, Stephen, and myself, I'd like to say cheers to the weird shit in the world and those of us that love to talk about it. And stay spooky and stay on that paranormal highway. The cast that Pixelated Paranormal would like to thank you for listening to this week's episode. Pixelated Paranormal is here to tell you tales of the fantastical, the strange, the unknown. Tales that will move you a little further down the paranormal highway. If you'd like to share your own listener story, we would love to hear it. Email us at pixelatedparanormal at gmail.com. Again, that's pixelatedparanormal at gmail.com. We'd really love to hear from you. Again, thanks for listening to this week's episode of Pixelated Paranormal, your guide to the unusual and the strange.